Happy Father's Day again. We are so glad that you are here. Can we just all agree that there are some weird dudes out there? Can we just say that? Uh, some weird some weird dads, that's for sure, but I'm sure none in this room. I don't know about you guys. I got some really good ideas from watching that video a few times. Uh, absolutely. But there are some awesome dads here as well, and we love them. We love you, and we're so glad that you're here. And Like I said, today is a day that we not only want to lift up uh, all the dads, but all those that play a fatherly figure uh, in our lives and all the men of the the house here today. Some of you are here today uh, with your dad. Just give him, a, give him a squeeze right now if you're here with your hubby or your husband or your dad. Give him a squeeze. Let him know that you love him uh, here today. If you're not, if you're going to see him later on, if you already did, here's just a, a public service announcement. Don't text him, people. Don't text him. Don't send him an email. Uh, call him. Talk to him. Go see him. Uh, they are worth it. And so a lot of you, uh, you're going to maybe spend some time with your dad this weekend or fire up the grill or buy him a tie that maybe they won't ever wear, but you're going to give it to him anyway. Uh, hopefully you enjoy Enjoy a great Father's Day. For some of you, it's going to be awesome, but the reality is that we live in a world, let's just lay it out there, where that word father, that image of father has been tainted by fathers or maybe husbands who've been distant or, or unavailable or maybe even hurtful. We live in a world where even the best dads, even the best men, because we're imperfect, because we're imbroken, uh, because we're broken, we let people down. We make mistakes. And so for some of you, this is a great day. It's a day of celebration and joy. And for others of you, uh, this isn't a day that you look forward to at all, uh, to be honest, because your dad is not here with you, because he's just a memory, uh, the legacy that he left behind, or maybe you have a really difficult relationship with your dad today or with your kids, or your kids are missing uh, their father and you're missing your husband because of divorce or because of a dad that simply checked out. Or maybe even, I know this for a fact in our community, there are some of you here today that long to be dads, uh, but for whatever reason, you're not able to. And so just, I want you to know, before we jump into this today, uh, this is a safe place for you. Uh, the God of the universe <laughs> knows exactly where you're at today. He knows exactly what's going on in your heart and your mind. And to be honest, for some of you, you'd maybe rather not be here, but you're in the right place because Jesus says that when two or more of us come together in his name, that he is there with us. And because God's here and because the Holy Spirit's here today, this can be a place of healing. This can be a place of reconciliation. What if Father's Day 2018 was the year that you made the call? Was the year that you sent the letter? Was the year that you made the visit? Whether they're father to child or child to father, whether your kids are grown or young or whatever stage of life, it's never too early, it's never too late. God can bring reconciliation to our lives. And I also want to encourage you today, even if you're not a dad, for all the ladies and for all the other men out there, don't simply check out and say, well, here we go, John's a dad and he's going to talk to all the dads. This is for all of us, because whether you're a dad or not, there's one thing we all have in common, we all have a dad regardless of what that relationship is like. And we're all kids in that way. We're all children. We never stop being children, not only of earthly fathers, but of a heavenly father as well. A good and loving and faithful father. Let me say that again. Just let it sink in. You have a good and loving and faithful father. And I know that, to, be, to be completely honest, when I say that, that's not the image of a father that some of you have. Because what we all do subconsciously, whether we realize it or not, over the course of our lives, God, we know, uh, in a perfect world, he gave us a mom and a dad to represent him on this earth. 
God created families to be a picture of the kind of love that God enjoys with the Trinity in relationship with, with each other, three in one, uh, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But also, God gave us mom and dads to be a picture of God's heart for us as a parent. But the reality is, is that what we do, because we live in a broken world, and as dads, we don't always reflect that, we, during the course of our lives growing up, take our image of our dad, and we just sort of subconsciously throw that up and reflect that and place that on God, whether that's fair or not. That's what we do. And so if our, God, if our dad was passive and soft, well, then we, well, that's probably what God is like. We just make those assumptions unless we check ourselves and actually go back to his word and say, is that actually what God is like? Or, you know, if your dad was just absent, not available for you physically or emotionally, then maybe God is absent and maybe God just doesn't care about me. If your dad was abusive, which I know for a lot of you, that's unfortunately your experience, whether physically or emotionally abusive, you're like, well, maybe that's just what God is like. He's just angry all the time. And God's one of those, God's one of those fathers that just kind of demands your respect and demands your attention. That's not the picture of God that we get when Jesus came to this earth. Jesus had hundreds and thousands of followers, and they wanted to follow him, not because he demanded their respect through some sort of power trip. He served them. You want to know what a real man is? Get down on your hands and feet and serve somebody. Jesus modeled that for us of what God is really like. And so I've got really good news for you this morning that regardless of what your earthly father was like, the Bible says that's not what God is like in all those negative images that we have. In fact, one of the most famous verses in all of Scripture uh, that you know, John 3.16, tells it just straight up. And a lot of you think, John 3.16, that's like what I see on signs at a football game or tattooed on somebody or on a bumper sticker on a car. Well, I think it's perfect for Father's Day. Let's read it together, verse 16 and 17 together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So I want you to hear me say this loud and clear to every single one of you this morning. If you ever doubt, if you ever doubt the love that God has for you, if you have one of those nights where you're home alone and you're so lonely and you're wondering if anybody cares, I know that's going on in some of your life. You're, we're really good at hiding it. But I know that some of you are hurting today. I know that some of you are doubting God's love and whether he really cares and is invested in your life. If you ever doubt, you only need to look to the cross. Because it was there that our Father in heaven, dads, think about this, willingly gave and sacrificed his one and only son so that we would never doubt his love for us. He gave it all for us. And not only that, this Father's Day, not only does he love you this unconditionally, but look at verse 17. Sometimes I think verse 17, in kind of a humorous way, because verse 16 is so popular, verse 17 is like, come on, guys, you know, like, don't forget about me. You know, verse 17 kind of gets the shaft, but it's a really good verse uh, as well. That God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Guys, I know for a fact that some of you, there are some guys that I talked to this week that are like, I don't know if I'm going to come to church on Father's Day. I'm like, why not? They're like, I don't want to feel that condemnation. Guys, I know there's a lot of guys, think about in your life, the reason a lot of guys don't come to church specifically on Father's Day is that I don't need some guy I don't know from the stage talking to me about how I need to like man up and step up and be a better man. I'm like, man, if you're anything like me, you like know you're imperfect already, right? And you don't need more guilt and shame, right? But I think that's one of the reasons that a lot of guys don't come to church. And men, particularly today, the guys that you know, your brothers, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, 
We've always said we want to be a church for people that don't like church. Like that's one of the reasons we exist as a church. If there was like a subheader, it'd be like Lutheran Church of Hope, the church for people that don't like church. Like that would be awesome. That's who we're trying to reach is those types of guys in your life that are like, man, I don't need to be told that. I, either I'm a pretty good dude already or I already know I'm, I'm not measuring up. <laughs> I already know I don't have what it takes, so I don't need more guilt and condemnation. I got really good news for all of you. That's not the offer of Jesus today, either for you as men or women today. Jesus is not looking for perfect men and women. He's looking for men and women that are willing to be fathered. Father. Now, sometimes you think of the word father just as a noun, but it is also a verb. Don't mistake that. God is a father to us, whether we're 3 or 13 or 33 or 53 or 73 or anywhere in between. God is a father to us. We never stop needing a father. We're always God's kids. I love how Paul puts it in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. He says this, For he, meaning our Father, God, chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship. Everybody say sonship. Through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. So this is is incredible. When you hear the word sonship, ladies, don't check out. In Jesus' day, sonship, what Paul's referring to, is the firstborn son in those days that they would get the inheritance of the father, meaning all the love and all the affection and all the admiration that a earthly father would have for his firstborn son, that, that he, would, he would get that. He was the heir. He would have the gift of sonship. Well, what Paul is saying is that all of us, in the context of this verse, men and women alike, young and old, have received this gift. We are all the firstborn heir, meaning God has all the love and all the affection that he has for Jesus, he has for us. And did you notice it is in accordance with his duty? No, it's in accordance with his pleasure and will. You see, I'd always thought that some people have good dads and some people have bad dads. And the one that have bad dads, God kind of looks down from heaven on the so-so, not-so-good dads and looks at it and goes, oh, darn it, I really had high hopes for that one. Uh, You know, dad number 567. So God's like, okay, I got to step in and be a father to the fatherless, you know. And you hear that phrase, well, God will come in and fill in the gaps of whatever your earthly father was not. That sounds cute, like it could be on a Hallmark card or a plaque in your house. It's not in the Bible. What the Bible says is that it pleased God before the creation of the world, before sin, before the garden, before brokenness, before one dad had a chance to screw it up for you. It pleased God and brought him great joy to be a father to you. Okay, this is a game changer here in Ephesians chapter 1. It was never about you measuring up as a dad. It was never about you measuring up as a man or a woman. It was never about you being good enough, but God giving you everything you need through the power of his Holy Spirit. It's not about you being good enough. It's about what Jesus has done and him being good enough as well. It's about God saying, you were never meant to live life alone. It's not about you. (laughs) It's not about you, God says. It's about me fathering you. It's about me with my Holy Spirit living in and through you. It's not about you. In fact, turn to your neighbor right now, whether you know him or not, look him in the eyes and say, neighbor, it's not about you. Tell him that right now. It's not about you. It's not about you, right? It's not about you. Some of you that are sitting next to your spouse are saying, thank you, it's been three weeks I've been wanting to say that, right? If you need to get it out and just let them have it, you can say it again. That's fine. Pastor said it was okay. It's not about you. It's not about 
you. Today's message is entitled Fatherhood Lessons Learned. And just as, you know, you think about your dad, I'm guessing you're thinking about your dad today, aren't you? And a lot of you are thinking, what are some things that my dad has taught me? Well, I think from his fatherly heart, God has some lessons that he wants to teach all of us today, men and women alike. And the first lesson is this, be fathered. That sounds so simple, but it is so vital and so foundational to our lives. Embrace your identity as a son or a daughter. Don't say, i got to go step it up as an adult. Well, before you go stepping it up, why don't you let Jesus step it up for you because he already has. Let his Holy Spirit flow you. Embrace your identity as a son or daughter, and then you'll have something of significance. Then you'll have something eternal to pass on. Dad, do you want to give a great gift to your kids as a father? Have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Have something that's going to last after you. Pass on something of significance. So number one, be fathered. The second lesson I believe that God wants to give all of us uh, as a father today in our relationship with him is to go all in. Everybody say all in. Oh, I don't believe you. Say it like you. This is what I just heard. All in, right? (laughs) I know it's hot outside, but you're 11 o'clock, all right? Say all in, all in, right? Go all in in your relationship with God. What would that look like? Guys in particular, just because it's Father's Day, I want to speak to you for a second. We have no problem going all in with things. Some of you are thinking like, guys, they don't get excited about anything. Oh, yes, they do. I'm in groups of guys and talk to groups of guys and like, it is no problem to get guys to talk what they love and what they're passionate about. So whether you realize it or not, from grilling steaks to to golf to video games to music to uh, classic cars, there's all sorts of guys. We had a big classic car show uh, in our parking lot yesterday. Some of you were down for that. It was awesome. There was all these really cool cars that I know nothing about, uh, as, as I'm not that kind of guy, and that's okay. But for the guys that do like that kind of stuff, it was really funny. They just, like, rev their engines for fun, and, like, all the guys would be talking, and then all of a sudden, you'd hear a car start, like, like that, and all the guys in the parking lot went, oh, like that. It was like a Tim the Toolman Taylor thing, like, whoa, that was so cool. Some of you guys have no problem going all in for things. There's another guy in our community that I talked to this past week is going to ride his bike 200 miles from Des Moines to Okaboji for fun in a couple weeks, okay? That's all in, right? That is all in. We have no problem going all in. What would it look like, guys, to go all in in your relationship with God? Regardless of what type of guy you are, we go all in. It's funny the things that we go all in for. Some of you have seen this before, but I thought, you know, it's Father's Day. It can be a tough day. It's good to laugh. Is it good to laugh? It's good for your health. You live longer. So we're going to laugh a little bit. This is a Boston Celtics basketball game, and between quarters, between periods, they kind of put the camera up into the audience, and they'll put on a fun song and just see who they can catch doing funny things. Well, whoever the camera operator was this game hit the jackpot. So watch closely as this young man goes all in, all in for Bon Jovi. Take a look. You're like, why did you cut it off? It goes on for five and a half more minutes, okay? They, like, paused the game and stayed on this dude because it was just so... Did you see everybody around him? Like, they were getting excited, and, like, he was bringing this joy and this energy and this passion to, to Bon Jovi. Like, I don't know, he'd been, like, preparing his whole life for that moment or something like that. I mean, he's either... Uh, you could say he's all in uh, for Bon Jovi or the Celtics for that matter, you could say that he's all in with all his heart and all of his mind and all of his strength. He is all in, right? In the same way, God comes to his people, Israel, in Deuteronomy chapter 6 as they're forming as a nation, and he says 
this to them. Let's read it together. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Wholeheartedly. What are you giving yourself wholeheartedly to these days? What gets your undivided attention? What, what is a priority for you? Would you say that you're giving yourself wholeheartedly to your relationship with God these days? Or is it just something you do kind of when you have time or when it's convenient? God comes to his people and say, this is foundational for you. I want you to go all in on something that's going to last. Of all the things that you're going to go all in for, your hobbies and sports and your interests and guys in particular, your marriages, maybe even your children, you have no problem going all in for them. Here's why I know this. I watch some of you guys in particular during worship, and we don't like to, you know, there's this lie out there that real men don't really show emotion. And so as we're clapping and getting in worship, I see like, you call my name, and I walked out of that grave. And I'm like, I think, dude, you're still in the grave, man. Like, the way you're, you're acting, right? Here's how I know, guys, that you'll go all in for your families, for your kids. Back in February, we had a daddy-daughter dance back here. We put on some 60s and 70s disco music, and you went hog wild. So don't tell me you can go all, can't go all in uh, for dancing or for worship or whatever it is. Just a question of what are you going all in for? What would it look like to go all in in your relationship with God. And the reason God says that is that all these other things you go all in for, the next day you're still going to be empty. All these passions and areas of interest and guys and things that we love and the things that we do, they're fine and they're great and they're good and they're healthy, but they're terrible gods. And you're going to keep going to them again and again and then the next day you're going to be like, I'm still empty. And God says, go all in with me. Go all in with me and you'll never be not satisfied. And so whether as a dad or a mom or a grandparent or a friend or a leader in any capacity today, here's some truths that you can bank on. This is why it's so important to go all in yourself. Some of you are like, well, I got I to gotta pass on the faith to the kids. You know who needs to have the faith first? You. You whether as a parent or anyone that has any sense of influence or is trying to disciple other people today, it's you. Go all in. Wholeheartedly go all in. Here's some truths that you can bank on, whoever you are. You can only teach what you know in this life. You can only lead people where you're going yourself. And you can only reproduce who you are. Let me say that again. You can only reproduce who you are. In this life, as you're discipling and as you're mentoring and you're parenting and you're teaching, you don't reproduce who you want to be. You reproduce who you are today. And that's why it matters to go all in with Jesus first because you can't fake passion. I mean, was Bon Jovi dude faking it? I mean, if he was, it was a really good show. But that's real. You can't fake passion. Dads, what if the greatest gift that you will ever give to your kids is not the next toy, is not the making sure that they're on the traveling team or the best team at school or the all-star team or have the best uniform or the best equipment or play in the best league or get a full ride or have the nicest house or have the best job. Dads, the greatest blessing, the greatest gift that you could ever give to your children is your daily relationship with Jesus Christ. Whatever stage you're at, even if your kids are grown, you never stop being a father. You never stop being a parent. In fact, when I ask our five-year-old about his favorite memories, 
of us and our relationship and our family, it has very little to do with what happens in this building. It has to do with those like in-between times of life when you think that you're, you're not being a role model or an example for them. It happens in the car ride or the, the time around the table where we're actually sitting down as a family and looking at each other in the eyes. It happens in those brief moments when all is quiet before bedtime. And you look down and say, hey, buddy, do you know that God loves you no matter what? Like, he remembers those things. Intentionality is the key here. Not perfection, intentionality. You reproduce who you are. And the reason this matters as parents, as anyone who's investing or teaching or leading Bible studies or whatever it is, faith is more often caught than taught. Faith is more often caught than taught. And so God continues on uh, in the next verse in Deuteronomy chapter 6. He says this, specifically to parents. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you're at the ball game and when you're driving to Starbucks in your minivan. When you like, That's in my version. I don't know if that's in your version. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In other words, what God is saying is as a parent, whether your kids are 3 or 13 or 33 or 53 today, no matter what age they are, every opportunity, every moment of every day is an opportunity for discipleship. It's not just, oh, I got to dump my kids off at Sunday school and I'll go to church and then we'll go home and just move on with normal life. You are the primary spiritual leader in your child's life. Faith is more often caught than taught. And sometimes I'll hear particularly parents say things like this. They're like, well, John, I'm not, I'm not perfect. You know, I don't want to like be a hypocrite and say I have it all together as a parent and my kids don't always make great decisions, you know. And so I'll hear parents say something like this. You know, to, to my kids, they'll just say, you know, just don't, don't take me so seriously. You know, like do, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> just do as I say, not as I do. It just makes me cringe. You want to know why? Because they're watching you. They're watching you, moms and dads. And not just moms and dads, they're watching you as the adults of this church. The kids and the, the students in this church, they're watching you. Have you noticed who's serving today behind the scenes and ushering and greeting? You notice who's serving? Our students. Junior high and senior high kids that have no problem going all in. They have, they have no other idea than what it looks like to just go all in for Jesus, but somewhere along the line as adults, we think we can just sort of mail it in and just kind of put the cruise control on in our faith and say, well, I'll just kind of coast through life. They're watching you. <laughs> they're watching you. And whether your kids ever say it or not, they're watching you. And they're going to say, you know, is this, is this faith thing? Is this church? Is this Jesus thing real? Or is this just something we do once in a while? Like some of them are going to grow up and they're going to, I hope they don't say this, but Maybe they'll say about you and your family, you know, we, we went to this building like once or twice a week and we came and we sang some songs and I went to Sunday school and then we went home and then we never really like did anything with it or talked about it. And we just kind of went on to real life. It was like when we weren't busy and I would ask mom or dad like, hey, are we going to go to church this week? And they're like, no, we got other things going on. Sorry, we're out of town. We got a, my brother's sister's girlfriend's postman's dog's birthday party, so I can't make it uh, this week. Or, you know, whatever it is. And they grow up with this image of God of like, well, he's worth it some of the time. He's worth going all in for some of the time. They're watching you. They're watching you. 
And I know some of you are saying, like, John, geez, that's a lot of pressure, right? And that's a lot to, to live up to, right? Some of you are saying, I feel like more like a failure than a success and modeling that for my kids, uh, whatever age they are. Well, just to give you a glimpse and to remind you of who's talking to you uh, today, if you think that I have this figured out, a couple weeks ago, I was home with our kids. Tiffany had a meeting here at the church, and so I'm home with our five-year-old Caleb and our three-year-old Evie, and we're getting ready for dinner. And so I get the dinner, and I'm feeling pretty good about things. In our house, we let the kids choose the prayer, and we only do these like fun kind of clap-along camp prayers that we learned at Bible camp. And so I go up to the table, and I'm like, okay, who wants to pray tonight? And Caleb says, I do, I do, me, me. And then uh, our three-year-old Evie says, no, I do. And Caleb goes, no, I do. And they're like arguing about who gets to pray. And I'm like, okay, this is weird, pastor's house stuff. And they're like, no, I do, no, I do. And then Evie just in all of everything that she has as a little three-year-old spunky girl just goes, no! To which our five-year-old son looks her in the eyes and says, Evie, because you screamed, God's not going to let you pray anymore. <laughs> Sketchy theology from the pastor's kid. <laughs> Hold that awesome fathering parenting moment by me in your heads if you think that I've got it figured out. Flash forward a couple days. Uh, I wasn't feeling so well, and so I was resting upstairs in our bedroom, and uh, unprompted, that same sketchy theology five-year-old comes upstairs and wanders into our bedroom and climbs up on the bed with me. And I hadn't been feeling well for several days, and he walks up, and he knows that I've been out of it because I haven't been my normal self. And he comes down, unprompted, lays next to me, puts his head on my pillow, looks me in the eyes, and says, Daddy, oh, thank you, buddy, like I was sleeping. Daddy, and he goes, These, this is what he says, Daddy, you know, we've tried a lot of things actual words that came out. We've tried a lot of things. Daddy, do you think that we should pray to Jesus to heal you? I did one thing right in my life, like one parenting success. You know what I mean? The reason I tell you that is this. Parents, God's not looking for perfection. He's looking for people that are willing to be fathered. Because maybe there's a small part of him that did that. Why did he do that? Because in my perfection, imperfection as a dad, we've prayed for mommy when she's been sick before together. And I invited him into that. And I said, hey, buddy, do you know that God is our father? Like, he's my father and he's your father. And, and that means we're brothers. And he goes, we're brothers? Yeah. Because God is your father, and I want him to know that, and that he's my father. And so we prayed together, and we've prayed for mommy together before, and we've prayed for our, our neighbors when we visit them and we've prayed for our friends at school by name and, and we've prayed for our friends at Hope Kids and we've prayed for you as the church. And so he's catching it. Faith is caught, not taught. And some of you are like, I'm not a parent today, John, so great fun story, but that doesn't really apply to me. We stand up here all the time and you've heard us talk about VBS over and over. And if we could just be candid this morning, I know for a fact some of you are sitting there every single time we talk about VBS and go, oh, I remember those days. That was so cute when we had young kids and everything, but that time has passed. And so, you know, VBS is just for those young families, you know, go get them. Nothing could be further from the truth. They're going to be there that week of VBS packed into this room and looking around going, I wonder if there's any adults that love Jesus. I wonder if there's any adults that are willing to like get over themselves and have some joy in their life. 
I wonder if there's any adults that are willing to get over themselves and take a couple hours that week of EBS and be a shepherd, be volunteer in that shepherd role to come alongside and hang out with some kids and give them a picture of what it looks like to be an imperfect adult that loves Jesus and loves kids. That's my challenge for you today. Would you do that? Would you, would you take your connection card before the end of the service today and write, I'm, I want to be a shepherd at VBS. I'm all in, John. I'm willing to do that. Why? Because they're God's kids. They may not be your kids, but if we are the body of Christ, if we're brothers and sisters and God is our father, they're God's kids. They're our kids as a community, and we do this together, and they are worth it. Is it worth getting passionate about? Are you willing to go all in? That's God's second piece of fatherly advice. The third piece of fatherly advice that I believe that God wants to share with us today for men and women of life uh, alike is to not do life alone. In other words, find your team. Everybody say, find your team. Find your team. So back from the prop room uh, today, we've done basketball, but I thought, you know, it's Father's Day, and uh, I'm a golfer, and so I always keep my uh, golf bag in my car uh, just in case uh, uh, somebody would, you know, invite me to go golfing. So I'm, I'm ready if anybody wants to uh, invite me uh, to go. It's Father's Day. I've got an afternoon uh, free. So if you guys don't mind, I'm just going to play through and practice uh, a little bit today. I know that fairway is kind of thin here, so I don't want to hit anybody uh, here. But this looks like a really good spot uh, to play. I'm just going to is this okay with you guys if I just camp out right here? Okay, gotcha. Some of you are like, I went to church and it was weird. So uh, here we go. So I'm going to just to practice uh, a little bit here. I haven't been out much uh, this year. I love golf. Anybody else love golf? Right? Some of you are like, I'd rather go to the dentist. I get that. Uh, you know, we all have our things. Here's the reason. One of the reasons I love golf, one of the reasons I love Father's Day is that it's always the final round of the U.S. Open. And so the U.S. Opens at Shinnecock Hills uh, this weekend. Another reason that it's really exciting is because Tiger Woods, who used to be uh, one of the best players in the world, is kind of back in it. He didn't make the cut, well, because he's getting old because he's in his 30s. We're like the same age, and I guess they call him old, and he's washed up now. But uh, I get excited about that, so I just kind of get in the golfing mood. So I thought we'd have, you know, a little seventh-inning stretch here uh, in the sermon. You guys don't mind if I practice a little bit. You guys don't mind, do you? Okay. just going to grab one uh, here. There's some good spots out here on the concrete. Just so you know, this is a real, you hear that, it's a real ball. I thought I would just kind of tee it up. Uh, you know, I don't know. More, more people to watch. I need, a, I need a gallery. I think I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it from up here. I love golf for a variety of reasons. Uh, U.S. Opens on Father's Day. I love it uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, it's a lot of fun. One of the things I don't love about golf so much is that you have to do it alone. Like, usually you're not on a team. Most of the other, you know, sports are team sports. You have a whole team with you, but golf, you're just kind of alone, uh, and that's kind of a bummer. And to be honest, some of us kind of live our lives like that, don't we? <laughs> it's just like we're just like out on the course alone by ourselves. Yeah, maybe there's a caddy in golf, but a lot of us are just out there by ourselves. And, uh, you know, you have a terrible shot or you have a rough day and, well, go ahead and go to the next slide. You end up, you know, looking like this guy, right? And you're all alone and there's nobody to talk to. So I've had some, some shanks and some cuts in, in my life. So I think what I'm going to do, I did this a couple years ago. Uh, I'm glad you guys are up there in the, in the loft today because I'm going to kind of aim for you guys. Try to avoid the projector that I hit last time. So I'm just going to give this a go. It's a little bit tighter, uh, tighter lie than I'm used to here, but um, I'm a pretty good golfer. You may want to duck. I'm just letting you know uh, with that as, as well. So, okay, I'm just going to, please, keep it down over there, please, the gallery. Okay, gotcha. All right, just going to give it a go here. 
Have I mentioned to you that I love golf? There's a lot of different things I love about golf. One of the things I don't love is that you have to do it alone. Individuality, every man for himself is a great theme for golf. It's a terrible way to live life. And some of you have bought into the lie that, well, I'm just going to do it on my own. Some of you particular guys have bought into the lie that, well, I can't have any real friends, you know? But guys, I want to challenge you today in particular. Who knows you? Do you have any friends? <laughs> like, besides your mom or your wife, who knows you? Because there's one thing that your wife will never be, and that's a dude. And men need men, and women need women. As the Bible says, iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Don't live life all alone out on the golf course. Don't, Christianity is not an individual sport. It's a team sport. We need each other because sometimes you're preaching in church and you just hit a terrible shot and you need somebody to, to console you. So you guys ready for this? Let's read a verse now that I have your attention. Uh, let's read this, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. One of the wisest men to ever live, King Solomon, uh, puts it this way. Let's read it together. Two are better than one. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls down and has no one to help them up. I know some of you have been to weddings and you've heard that and you're like, oh, that's cute for married couples. No, it's not. I mean, it can be if you want it to be, but that's not why he wrote it. Do you know why King Solomon wrote it? He didn't have any friends. He was the richest man to ever live and he had everything that he could ever want except he didn't have relationships. He was living life like a golfer, individually, on his own, like he could do it because sometimes you just don't have it when you're playing and you're doing life alone. So you guys ready for this? All right. So should I say duck on the count of three or something like that? So you guys really trust me. This is amazing. Wow. Okay, here we go. I mean, I know I'm the pastor, but seriously, you may want to duck, okay? You guys ready up there for this? Okay. Awesome. Could the gallery please be quiet? All right. Here we go. I think I can make it up there. Ready? This is the most focused you have ever been during a sermon. Let me just tell you that right now, okay? So I just like say something really important, like God loves you. Jesus died for you. You guys know that? Okay, good. All right, here we go. You didn't actually think I was going to do it, did you, right? Some of you ducked. I got you to duck. That was fun. Uh, I went to church one time and it was weird, okay? Great for the game of golf. Terrible way to live life. Because here's the thing. I've talked to a lot of guys. I've talked to a lot of women. I've talked to a lot of married couples. And they got taken out. They got taken out because they didn't have a team. And God says to you this Father's Day, who's your team? Who's, the, who's your two, three, four, five, six other people? Not everybody. Who knows you? Who, who knows you well enough to tell you what you need to hear, not just what you want to hear? Do you have people in your life? There's a couple guys, a couple other guys that I meet with every single week. And I'm so thankful for them. Because when I'm having a hard time in life and we're struggling, it's so easy to think, even as Christians, I'm, I'm struggling in my marriage and I'm struggling at work and I'm struggling with depression or I'm struggling with this addiction or I'm struggling with this relationship or this decision that I have to make. It's so great to know that I'm not the only one. And I think the reality is, especially the reason that Christian marriages struggle just as much, if not more, than people that are married that are non-Christians is because we're better at stuffing it. We're better at hiding it because heaven forbid that somebody thinks that I don't have it all together. I have literally talked to people and had conversations with people the last couple years that have said, I don't really think I should be at, the, at, at church because my life is a mess. And my response to them is, this is exactly where you need to be if your life is a mess because this is a, not a museum for saints. Church is a hospital for sinners. Amen? Don't do life 
alone. If you're hurting, if you're struggling, if you're struggling with managing your schedule and your life is out of control, why don't you come to church and let Jesus offer you real rest? Find your team. Don't do life alone. I'm so glad for these men in my life. And something dangerous that I see happening in our culture today is there's a lot of people that are out taking a walk. There's a lot of people that are out playing golf. And what I mean by that is that we've bought into the lie that we just have to concede and say, well, you know, friends were easy in college, but as adults, friendship is really hard, and and everybody knows that we're busy, and the kids have activities, and i got to shuttle them around, and our schedules are full. Certainly you can't find real, non-superficial friends in the church, can you? And God says, oh, yes, you can. But you have to fight for it. you got to invite some people along, and here's why it's worth fighting for, because I've seen way too many people get taken out. And it's the people that say, that'll never happen to my marriage. I'll never lose my job. I'll never start drinking and let it control me. I'll never fall away from church. I've literally had people say, I stopped going to church because I was ashamed, and I don't want to come back because I'm worried about what people will think. That is a downright shame. This is where you should be when you've had the worst week or the best week of your life. Find your team. Don't do life alone. Be fathered. Go all in. Find your team. And finally, don't run alone. Don't run alone. Whether you're out on the golf course or you're just running the race of life, don't do it without people around you, but certainly don't do it without your relationship with your father. Some of you are living your life not as sons and daughters, but as orphans. That we pretend that when we have struggles and when we're trying to decide on grad school or finances or work or our marriage or friends or whatever questions you're facing today, we act as if we don't have a father that's right there next to us. As you're running the race of life, God says, I'm right there beside you. In fact, I'm carrying you. You don't realize it. You're not as strong as you think you are. We need fathering more than we need oxygen. You were created to live in a daily relationship with God, your Father. And I can't think of a better illustration of this as we close this Father's Day than a story that maybe some of you have seen before. It's about a father and a son. They're Team Hoyt. Rick and Dick Hoyt, a father and a son. And as you watch this video, it'll, it'll tell the story. I don't need to say much. But as you watch the story, I don't think it'll take long for you to realize who's who. That God is our Father. And that maybe all of us are weak. Maybe all of us have limitations this Father's Day. And maybe as God's kids, every single one of us, we're not as strong as we think we are. Let's take a look. Together. Together. That's how God has created you to live. Together they run. Not in half hearted religion, not without a a team of men or women around you to cheer you on on the sidelines of life. Together. Men, I want to challenge you to think about this upcoming 33 series, this class. It's a safe place to come, to meet other guys, to grow in your faith. A safe place together with other men, together with other women, together in relationship, together with your heavenly Father. I watched that 
I watched the, the joy in the son's face. He's not doing anything. <laughs> he, he's so proud of himself. He has no idea the strength of his father. I don't know about you, but I want to finish well. Guys, do you want to finish well? Not just coast and make some money and have a good job and have a good marriage. I, I want to finish well. And there's only one way to do that, to, to, to finish well as a husband, as a, as a father, as a friend, as a leader. And that's to be fathered this Father's Day, to be in a relationship with the God that created you. Because there's two ways to watch that video. One is to focus on the limitations and the handicap of the son. The other way to watch that story is to focus on the power and the relentless, non-compromising, never-ending, overwhelming, reckless love of the father that would do anything for his child. That's the love that God has for you today. That's the love that God offers to us through the cross. And if you would receive that love today, maybe in a brand new way, or maybe for some of you, you've been away from church for a long time, maybe to receive it for the first time here this morning, if you can receive that love and live like it's true, then Father's Day never has to be fatherless again. And so we're not just going to talk about that this morning. We're going to sing about it. And we're going to sing a song about a God that has a relentless, reckless love for us. That there is no shadow he won't light up. There's no mountain that he won't climb up. There's nothing your heavenly father will not do for you. Even put you in the seat and carry you across the finish line of this life. We're not as strong as we think we are. And we need a father. Let's sing about him this morning. Let's stand and worship together.